Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home birth, free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist, and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls, and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBATs, especially home births and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone. I just wanted to let you know that this is the last episode for the year in 2022. I am so excited to bring this last episode to you and also let you know that the latest episode, well, the new episodes will be coming live to you in 2023. It has been an absolute pleasure and honour to be able to provide this podcast and work with so many amazing women who have come and shared their VBAC home birth stories. It's an absolute privilege to hold space and hear your stories. And I want to thank each and every single woman who's been on this podcast, uh, either as an expert sharing her wise wisdom and knowledge or as somebody who's sharing her wise wisdom and knowledge in her birth stories because stories are so powerful. I also wanted to thank anyone who's left a review because or shared the podcast because I know so many of you amazing listeners out there share the podcast all the time with people and that really helps to plant seeds, that really helps to make a wave and change in our society and our culture and our birth environment. I've seen so much change happen over the last few years and it's just amazing because instead of women blindly believing what the system has to say, women are now questioning and women aren't getting so defensive. Women are listening to other women for the first time I'm seeing in groups. There's been a huge shift, a huge shift. And I think this has, you know, come from social media and, you know, so much information online and the podcast and so much information available and things that have happened in the re- recent climates as well with people opening and being more open-minded to that perhaps things aren't what they seem in the world. So you may hear that my voice is a little bit croaky. Yes, I'm a little bit sick. I've had a chest infection. We've had a really bad rap over the last couple of weeks. I blame my toddler bringing home all the germs. And also she's so damn cute that even when she's got a boogery nose, I just can't help but kiss her on the lips. Like, what is wrong with me? Um, but everyone in the family got sick and my husband's had a few days off and I'm back at work today. I'm feeling a lot better. I've got a lot of it off of my chest, so I'm able to breathe, which is really nice. And I've taken a lot of time to rest and recover and it will be this afternoon as well before I pick up my toddler. But I'm winding down for the year and I'll be going on holidays with my family. We're not going anywhere, but I'll be taking a few extended weeks off. So I'm not going to be publishing or sharing any episodes on the podcast. So I just wanted to thank every every single one of you. Please, if you you know continue sharing this podcast far and wide and keep that vibration going and sending that love to other women, it would be my like make my heart shine for you to continue to do that as well. So I wanted to tell you a few things before I do go away because 
you might be thinking, oh no, I listen to your podcast every week. And now what am I going to do without my binge worthy episode every single week? Um, there's plenty of podcasts for you to listen to. If you haven't listened to all of the podcast episodes, or you can go back and listen to some of your favorites while we're away. Otherwise I do have a couple of other podcast recommendations. Um, if you're looking for some more evidence-based guidance, I highly recommend the Midwives Cauldron podcast. And there's also another really great uh, podcast called The Birth Rebellion. And I think these are really great and they work really well with my podcast because I'm a story sharer. I'm sharing stories here on this podcast that they really help to back up with some of the evidence-based information. They're wise women, midwives, um, and they talk about and they break down the evidence, but they also share some of the history. So those are some really good podcast episodes as well that I highly recommend or podcasts, I should say, that I highly recommend. I also thought I'd shake it up and share three of the top testimonials that I received on iTunes as well. So from EFAL, amazing and empowering. I've been listening to these podcasts for the last two months during my second trimester. They are empowering and encouraging me to continue to advocate for myself. Thank you, Ashley. No, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving a review and Thank yourself for the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much for providing feedback. I really appreciate you. Nurse Mama 94. Listen up, birth workers. A must listen for birth workers, midwives and doulas, supporting women who are desiring a back outside of the constraints of the hospital system. I love this. Listen up, birth workers, <laughs> midwives and doulas. Thank you so much, Nurse Mama 94. I really appreciate your feedback. Spreading awareness from FAM 125. Thank you for spreading awareness. My disdain for unnecessary medical intervention and OBS at birth grows stronger with each episode. Team VBACs. I kept thinking my phone was going off with all the notification dings in a few episodes. Haha. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that there was a few notification dings. They wouldn't be from my end, unfortunately. They're usually from mummers who I'm interviewing. Sometimes they might be from me, but most of the time, most of my stuff's on silent. So it's usually um, what's kind of happening with mummers. And because mummers aren't professional podcasters, usually they're on their phones and they've usually just had their babies. And I know it can be really annoying because I personally really love quality sound, um, but I've had to change my, um, my expectations, I suppose, for some of the podcasts I listen to now. Um, so thank you for sticking along and listening despite those little things. And thank you so much for your uh, review as well. I really appreciate you. And I'm team VBAC. I've got my hand in my my fist, uh, fist pumping in the air. <laughs> as I said, it really is an honour for me to have this podcast. If you haven't left a review, I would really appreciate it. Please head to the iTunes website where you can leave a review if you've got an iTunes account please do leave a review. It helps to spread the podcast even further. I also got a message from one of our mamas, Sarah, who was also a mama who shared a story on the podcast. She was on episode 72 and 73 and she shared me, she got a little notification from the podcast player that she was listening to. I think it was Spotify. And it said that she listened to 1,756 minutes. That's how much time she listened with her favorite podcast and it was so nice to hear that this was her favorite podcast and 
She'd listened to so much time. So thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing that with me because it's really cool. I love hearing that from people who listen to the podcast. It makes me smile. I'm smiling now as I say this to you. I would also love to hear as I create new content for the new year. Sometimes I'm sitting at my desk thinking, what should I share? What do people actually want to know? Rather than me try to like assume or magically work out what's in your brain, I would love to hear from you and hear what exactly you would like to hear from me. So if there's a certain topic that you want me to talk to, please do share with me and let me know what you want me to share on the podcast. If there is a a guest you would love me to talk to on the podcast and interview, please let me know. I would love to hear who you would want me to interview on the podcast. This podcast is our podcast and I really want to make it a collaborative effort. So we're working together to create something really beautiful for everyone together. And I want it to be really valuable for you, VBAC mamas. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel part of this process. I want it to feel like a team effort because it is a team effort because without you listening to the podcast and without you sharing it with other women, it would be nothing. So we're really doing this together and we're a family, we're a VBAC family and we're saying fuck you to the system, essentially. It essentially is us growing together and getting our confidence and getting our knowledge and doing what we feel is right and best for us. I feel that in the group that we have, I feel that, I see that. VBAC women are so passionate about sharing and supporting each other and that really is just something special to me so please do let me know and if you've got a VBAC home base story that you would like to share send me an email please just send me a couple of paragraphs with just some you know this is my first a brief little this is what happened with my first this is what happened with my second this is what happened with my VBAC home birth you know a brief summary of your VBAC home birth and then I'll get back to you and we'll schedule in a time and it's really easy going but I would love to share your story. So if you've got any of those things, you have a topic you want me to share, you have a guest that you want me to interview on the podcast, or if you want to share your VBAC home birth story, send me an email, hello at themotherhoodcircle.com.au. So what's coming up for next year? There's exciting things coming for next year. I've been thinking, 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 what can I do? And I really have been called to want to work with women in a group program. I've wanted to do this and I've done this previously when I was working with women back in 2017, 18, 19 in postpartum support. And we had an awesome collective of women who would catch up every month or every fortnight. It changed a little bit. And I thought I'm going to create this offer in 2023. So I've basically the way that I work with women one-on-one, it'll be in a group offer. So there'll be, it won't be like, huge numbers of women it'll be very sacred and very small and safe but I don't know all the ins and outs of it yet but I'm I'm figuring all that out but it's essentially we'll work through mindset intuition anything that kind of comes up but really holding space for you supporting you in that group container so you've got other women to support you through that journey and you get to make connections with those women in a safer environment and we have video calls and you'll have some content as well to consume so there'll be some extra content that's not on the podcast that's for my VIP clients that'll be brought into this program as well as my signature program and I'll still be working with women one-on-one so if you prefer the one-on-one hand-holding and support or that VIP support of course that'll be available from 
January onwards if you would like to work with me. But if you want to work with me in a group program, the benefits of that is that it'll be at a reduced price. It'll help you if you've got a lower budget. I'm not sure when it will actually come out. I'm thinking after April 2023. But if I get a number of women who are really interested, then I can pull the trigger really quickly on that. So if you are really interested in joining me, send me an email and just say, I I am really interested. You can also jump on the wait list to see what it's all about and be the first person to first people to find out about it, get the special price because there will be a special price. I'm thinking of offering it around $500 Australian dollars to start with. So that'll be my really special price. But for the first people going through, I think there might be an even more discounted price. So if you are interested in that, jump on my wait list. It's in the show notes or just send me an email and let me know that you're really keen for this. I also, how else? I'm also opening up 15 minute chat. So coffee chat. So for January and February next year, you can already book in. So spots are filling up already, but jump on if you want to have a chat with me. You've got something about your birth that you want answers for. You want the support, you want the guidance you know that you want to work with me longer term. We'll just jump onto a 15-minute chat, talk more about you, find out more about you. You can ask me any questions you have about working with me, find out how it all works, and we can see if we're a really good fit. So I'll also put those in the show notes. And also, while I'm away, you can jump on to watch my free workshop, how to get the emotional and mindset support you need in your pregnancy for your home birth. And I've had some really good feedback for this workshop. It's free. So that's also amazing. And I think it goes for about 40 minutes. It's very punchy. It doesn't muck around or waste any time, but I'm going to go through some steps on how you can get more support. We're going to talk about your support circle. We're going to talk about how you can build better connections with your partner, get them to be more supportive and for you to feel more prepared to do this home birth journey. So you're not feeling overwhelmed and lonely in this journey. There will also be a link in the show notes for you to jump onto that if you're interested in looking at that. So I hope that you're feeling really supported over the next few weeks until the podcast comes back. And I hope that you really enjoy this episode as well. I'm going to be talking about big babies, which, you know, I had a 4.5 kilo, almost 10 kilo baby. So I am somebody who knows all about big babies and heard all about it in the system. So we're going to talk about some of the fears and some of the challenges and all those things in this episode. So thank you for listening to me up until this point. I hope that you have a really Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I look forward to joining to joining you in 2023, fresh after a summer holiday <laughs> and connecting with you. Thank you so much for being with me. Have a wonderful Christmas. Hello and welcome to another episode. Today, I thought it would be really cool to talk about big babies. I know that there's a lot of fear, especially in the VBAC community, but just in general, for big babies and so if you've been through the hospital system you may have had a bigger baby through cesarean and you're thinking how am I going to birth a baby especially if you've been out of my vagina especially if you've been told that you've got a small pelvis or your last cesarean was due to you having a small pelvis baby being too big big head blah 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 or that it's there's too many risks or there's shoulder dystocia, all these things that kind of that play into the whole big baby card. So let's dive in a little bit about this whole big baby thing and my thoughts and experiences about the big baby card. Because when I had my first baby at 38 weeks, 
she was 3.7 kilos and I was told that it was pretty big baby for that gestation being a girl and I thought okay actually it's not a big baby uh not by a long shot I don't think at all uh, maybe my views have changed. I mean, I was born at six pounds. So I was a very tiny baby. So I expected to be quite tiny, have tiny children. But at the same time, my husband's genetics needed to come into play. And my mother-in-law birthed his brother 30, 35 years ago now. And he was 4.2 kilos or something like that at 40 weeks. So you've got to look at the DNA on both sides. Sometimes genetically, it's the other person's DNA. Sometimes it's our DNA that makes bigger babies. Uh, especially when it comes to bigger women, they assume that bigger women are going to have bigger babies. So they're because bigger women might eat more and those sorts of things. But a friend of mine, a neighbor up the road, had her first baby vaginally, and her first baby was four point five kilos. And she used to eat very healthy food. She doesn't even have a microwave. She eats everything she makes from scratch. She was walking over an hour every single day. Total, total epitome of health, what you would look at. Someone who is physically active, someone who is eating nutritionally right. And she her first baby was 4.5 kilos born vaginally. Now, obviously, the stories that I've heard and some of the experiences I've had of myself in the hospital system are very different. I know once you get to about the four kilo mark, I've heard of women who have had gestational diabetes and had a private obstetrician and the woman was told, well, your baby's going to be about four kilos, so we're just going to do a C-section because you've put on too much weight, so that's why your baby's big and there you go. Not taking into consideration anything to do with DNA or genetics and the fact that you know, four kilos is a reasonable size for a baby, albeit it might be on the larger size, but uh, it's a reasonably healthy size anyways for a baby. So first of all, I want to break it down too. I sent, found some information years ago and for the life of me, I can't find it anymore. But the World Health Organization defines macrosomnia being as a baby over 4.5 kilos. And we all know that different people come in all shapes and sizes. So it makes sense that some are going to be tiny and some are going to be bigger. So let's talk about the scale because they look at this percentage, they do these scans and they say, you know, your baby's in the 25th percentile or your baby's in the 8th percentile, which means that on average, when we look at 100 babies, your baby's ranking the 8th biggest, the 8th smallest, I should say. And then, you know, if we're looking at your baby being in the 90th percentile, it just means if you had an average of 100 babies, keeping in mind that scans are not correct either, but that your baby is, you know, going to be the 92nd, what would I say, the eighth from the top of being the biggest child. That doesn't mean that they're unhealthy or that there's anything wrong with them. They're still within the normal realm. I think really the concern should be once they kind of get off that 100 percentage. I've never had someone say that their baby's 99%. I haven't heard of that one before, but it's usually around 91, 92, 93. There probably have been plenty of people, you know, being told 98, maybe 98 percentage. I've heard quite a lot actually, percentile. And so as long as your baby's not going to come out an elephant, I suppose everything's fine, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I know myself, my next baby, I was was a 4.2 kilo baby or 4.1. I think she was 4.1 or 2. She was 4.1 or 2 kilos. And I knew she was going to be about 4 kilos because the first one was 3.7. I figured a couple more hundred grams. Plus she was born at 40 weeks, not 38 weeks. And she was, she was born, you know, just over four kilos, which I was completely happy with because I'd done my research and I'd looked for evidence and information and stories. And I had this World Health Organization of what they deem as macrosomnia. So especially with gestational diabetes, they're worried. So the, the risk factors for a bigger baby, they're looking at a woman who's bigger herself, or they're looking at someone who has gestational diabetes. So that's where you usually get a lot of the fear-mongering and the big baby talk. Now, this isn't to say that just because you're told your baby's going to be a whopper and born 10 kilos, not 10 kilos, 10 pounds or 4 kilos or 4.5 or 5 kilos or whatever it is that they estimate, doesn't mean that your baby's actually going to be born like that. I recently had a conversation with a lady who was told her baby was going to be four and a half kilos and the baby was born three and a half kilos. I mean, that's a whole kilo off. And so having a cesarean because you're told that your baby's too big is really heartbreaking, especially when your baby comes out smaller or when you hear of another woman giving birth vaginally to a bigger baby with no problems. There was actually some research that I found that it's actually easier to vaginally birth bigger babies. I don't have that evidence or that research, but I'm sure it's out there if you want to go look it up. Um, but I, in my VBAC planning days through the hospital system, I definitely held on to that research that I found. I thought, well, I'm having a bigger baby. So I, you know, I went through all my risk factors and I looked at GD, plus size, high BMI, big babies, VBAC, blah, 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 went on to big babies. I had to go through my risks and see what was actually true and how I felt about it once I'd done some research. And the research that I found for big babies was that actually it wasn't really a problem. And the things that they were worried about, shoulder dissocia being the main concern, you know, the risk is quite low. And if it was to happen, I trusted and believed that there would be competent staff that could assist in that, in navigating that. So when I was planning my free birth, I learned about shoulder dissocia because I was having a free birth and I knew it was on me. I knew that there was nobody else in that place that was going to feel comfortable or confident doing that. And I hadn't hired a medical personnel. So I made sure that I understood that. And I understood how rare it happened. And I felt comfortable knowing the risk of, you know, if it was going to happen. If you're hiring a midwife, you're going to have a competent person, a medical person there who's going to be able to work with that situation as it comes. So knowing that we know the risks and uh I think in the hospital setting, there's so much of a higher risk of having that issue happen than having a spontaneous home birth because women who are home birthing most of the time are following their body's instincts. So you're allowing a physiological birth to happen. You're not on an hour by hour timer, which means that you're not having to push a baby out within six hours. Also help you God, you're going to end up in surgery, which is ridiculous. Um, you're often, when you're home birthing, you're often left alone to get into positions that feel right intuitively 
for the birthing woman, which means that you're allowing your body to tell you and guide you what position feels right and what position your body needs to get into because only you can feel from inside what's happening and what positioning your baby's happening, uh, your position, your the position your baby's in. And while you may not have the intellectual knowledge and information at the time, your body's getting all the, like the nerves are being touched and everything's moving. Just like when you have pain in your body and you, you move to support the pain or you intuitively move into comfortable positions because your body is telling you, you're feeling it, you're having those um, messages sent to you that this is what you need to do now to feel more comfortable and support your body weight or whatever it is. Uh, in a home birth, you're not going to be coach pushing. How often does it happen in a hospital setting that women are, oh, you're 10 centimetres dilated, you've got to push now, push, 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 when in fact you're not allowing fetal ejection reflex to happen and the body you're basically using all of the energy possible just to push this baby out when the baby may not be even ready to come. The baby may need a few more hours to move into the right position. So it doesn't make sense to forcibly push a baby out. You're in a safe environment in a home birth. You're usually being supported and you're feeling safe. You're not having vaginal examinations unless the woman wants one and there's no pressure or force to have someone put their hands inside and see what's happening. And there's no induction or generally other interventions that are happening. Now, induction, imagine having a big baby that's maybe not in the best position or even ready to be born and you're inducing. So you're putting your hands into the cervix, you're, you know, breaking waters, you know, putting the possibility of infections in there. You're doing things when the timing's not right and then you're giving the woman drugs to effectively fake drugs and hormones that, you know, the body will do on its own without all of that support or I won't say it's support, but without all of that manipulation and pressure. And then you're basically supercharging contractions and forcing babies into positions before they're ready to come. You're ejecting babies out before they're even ready to be born effectively. It's like the whole purpose of a chicken coming out of an egg is that this it's like their first little adventure. It's their first little feat that they've got to discover on their own. They're pecking their way out of the egg they're discovering and they're learning and they're getting stronger. And I'm sure there's so many benefits of them pecking their way out of an egg. And if we crack open the egg and we pull the little chicken out, we're bypassing all of the natural things that it was, it has inside of it, that this is what's supposed to happen. You're taking away all that balance and everything. And so if you're forcibly pushing a woman and a baby that's not ready or not in the right position or, not in the best position or if it's a bigger baby, that's not really helpful, is it? Which is why you hear so many women, I had an induction and I ended up in a cesarean. There's so many stories of women ending up in cesarean after induction because it's not really supportive of a vaginal birth. It's one of the risk factors is a cesarean at the end of the day. So I think that's why having hands-off midwives or having a free birth and making sure that you don't have medwives. Medwives are, you know, I haven't really heard many stories about midwives here in Australia, but I'm sure there's some running around. But I think most 
are with women and sit in the corner and support and everything, but I'm sure there can be some who are really hands-on and directing women what to do and telling women to push and getting all panicky and getting all up in, in the situation. But really, if you're allowing the physiological and instinctive process to happen, then that's the best opportunity to be able to birth a big baby. So also having a home birth, you're, you know, not disturbing the natural hormones and flow of birth. We're talking about some of those oxytocin, those natural hormones that kick in when we go into spontaneous labor. You're getting all that goodness by having a home birth, feeling safe, you're feeling comfortable, you feel supported. You've got a team with you giving you drinks and massages and whatever it is that you need. You're intuitively getting into positions that feel aligned and right for you and your baby and everything's happening the way that it needs to happen and you're getting into positions. You're not laying on your back like you would be in a hospital and told to put your legs into stirrups and push, push, push. You're getting into positions that are active and upright and helpful and I read the book I think it was Active Birth by Janet. I can't remember her last name. I think I still have the book. I'm just looking at my book shelf now, but I can't actually see it. A really good book about active birth positions. You don't have to be standing, but just allowing the gravity to essentially help. So sitting upright, um, you could be sitting upright, you could be standing, you could be swaying, you could be leaning forward, you could be squatting, you could be leaning over the birth pool. And I found with myself that I was just opening my legs really wide when I gave birth. I always thought that I'd be squatting for some reason out of the birth pool, but I was in the birth pool and everything worked out fine. So I just followed my own intuition. And every time my body told me to move, I did what I just did what felt right and aligned and, you know, without any worrying about what birth position I need to get into and being all intellectual and having to get into that frame of mind and be a robot and do what, you know, someone else has laid out of the perfect positions and all that sort of thing. I have a couple of episodes on the podcast that you can listen to if, you, if you're if you worried about big baby. We've had some really big babies born where we've had some stories on here that are amazing. So we've got episode 29 with Ellie. She had a 5.7 kilo, 7.5 kilo baby, a, a home back, H back, H B A C, home back. What do I say? Home back. Is it a H back? Home birth after cesarean section. <laughs> I think I was thinking too much about it <laughs> in a rural location. And I love Ellie's story. And we also had episode 24 with Rachel. She had a 5.2 kilo baby. So we're talking about really really big babies here this is like very big babies born at home without medication without any of those interventions and things no forceps no vacuum just a vagina just a woman doing her thing you know uh check out episode 24 with rachel and also you can listen to my podcast episode on episode number 19 and i had a 4.5 kilo baby so you know that's a big baby too um, and my baby was born at 38 weeks, so she would have been even bigger if we'd wait if she'd waited a couple more weeks, but she had decided early on that that was when she wanted to be born. So you can check out those stories to hear those stories and how they went down and, and those um, what happened. I also wanted to share that my nanny, like I'm only five foot one, but my nanny is 
not even five foot, and she birthed four babies vaginally in this in the sixties. Two of them were ten pounds, and my granddad was really tall, so it must have been his DNA. And <laughs> it's just interesting, you know. I am a bigger person, like I've got bigger, I've got like a lot of fat on me, but my my frame and my skeletal is very small. My arms are small. My fingers are small. And while I'm a bigger person, I am a very small person. I am, people used to call me human leaning post HLP at school <laughs> because people would put their arms on me. Hey, HLP, you know, the guys at school put their arms on me. Hey, HLP. And, you know, it's very rare for me to be taller than somebody else. So I never got the whole you're too short kind of thing, but I did in the system. I did hear a lot of fear-mongering and worries and things like that about that, especially having GD and all that. But I didn't allow that to kind of come into my consciousness once I had done my due diligence. I'd done my research and I knew, listened to other women. I thought, if they can do it, I can do it. So I I think there was a couple other things. So the things that can, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing is in the system, it's the fear. You know, when it comes to a big baby, it's the fear that's the problem. It's the care provider fear. They create more problems than actually the shoulder dissocia or the risk of that even happening. And it's really interesting. I think Dr. Rachel Reed talks about this one. I think she's done maybe an article or a podcast episode on this. I, I probably should refresh and re-listen to it, but it would have served me when I was going through and I needed that information at the time. But it's just when you understand that there's so much fear around certain things that they place that fear on you. But when you really dig deep and see what are the risks of this happening or is it my fear? Is it their fear? Is it something that I'm worried about? Is it something that my care team or my I feel capable of solving if, if in the rare chance it happens, it happens? Is my do I trust my birth team to be able to you know support me through that? And it really is a matter of just having those conversations and thinking about that logically, and not focusing on. I've been told my pelvis is too small, so it must be true. My mum had a cesarean, and she was told her pelvis is too small because you're not your mum, or you're not your sister. And just because they were told that doesn't mean that it's true. Doesn't mean that that's why they had a cesarean. It could mean that the obstetrician they saw or whatever was going on holiday. It could mean that they were unlucky and that's how their birth ended up going. It could mean that they needed to have a cesarean because that's what happened and it was not related or maybe they did have a tiny pelvis, but that's not you. And so it's really important that we understand what stories we're taking on and what we're allowing to become our own story because just because someone tells us it's, that's what it is doesn't mean it's true. Only you can decide what's true for you. And I think it's really important for you to start to look at things that way. The more you can start to decide what's true for you and what your story is going to be, the quicker you can move past these fears and you can move forward to the things that really matter, like finding the right birth team, finding the right midwife, celebrating your pregnancy, getting the strength and energy to grow this baby. <laughs> I mean, as if being pregnant isn't hard enough, right? You've got to 
have all the anxiety about all these different things. So the quickest path to freedom and confidence and calmness and celebration of this pregnancy and home birth, the the better it is for you because you can move from that feeling. So let me know if this episode helped you in any way or if you had any questions. I would love to hear your thoughts of either if you delivered a birth, if you've birthed a bigger baby or if you've been told that you had a bigger baby and that's why you had to have a cesarean. I would love to hear from you. If you would like to contribute your story to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email, hello at themotherhoodcircle.com.au. I also want to let you know about a workshop that I have at the moment. It's been going for a little while, but it is a really amazing workshop that I always have the pleasure and joy of recording because it's a recorded workshop. I love talking about the topics that are on this. It's called Home Birth, How to Get the Emotional and Mindset Support You Need in Your Pregnancy. If you're feeling lonely, unsupported or misunderstood, this is a free workshop for you. It's only 45 minutes, so it's really quick. You can watch it. You can binge watch it. It's it's available for you to listen to whenever you want to. All you have to do is enter your email address. Where basically, I cover understanding your current support circle, why mindset matters in a home birth pregnancy, and how to get your partner to be more supportive of your emotional needs. This is available and I will link it in the show notes, but you can also send me a message on Instagram if you want a link to it or anything like that, and I can send it through to you, but there will be a link in the show notes for you as well. I hope you really enjoyed this episode and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC home birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us. Want to follow along and get freebies and offerings? Find me on Instagram, AshleyLWinning, and send me a DM to say hi. And come and join our safe group on Facebook. Just search Feedback Home Birth Support Group. Until next time, keep shining beautiful.